scary. This is a scary power. All I have in my notes for this part is, sits up fast, kind of a dick. So much is happening! Hello and welcome to Pass the Hot Sauce, a Roswell podcast. I'm Aliza Ora. I'm Lisa Abigail. And I'm Lorena Rose. We're here to talk about every episode of the 1999 WB series Roswell, one episode at a time and spoiler free. Today we're discussing season one, episode 22, Destiny, also known as the season finale. Yay! According to Google, this is the one where Sheriff Valenti realizes the aliens' true identities, and Max and Isabel receive a message from their real mother. I'm putting real in quotes, out of respect for Diane Evans. This episode was written by Tony Graffia and Jason Katims from a story by Thania St. John. It was directed by Patrick R. Norris and originally aired on the 15th of May, 2000. And we've got another episode where we pick up right where we left off last time. Everyone's escaping from the military base. So this is another episode where DVD owners, we have DVD commentary. So I've got some fun extra notes for the commentary for this episode, which was with Jason Kadams and Patrick Norris, the director, who also... Um, directed more episodes of Roswell than any other director. Oh, and he's the one that my partner has worked with and said he's just like a really solid TV director. Awesome. Yeah, he seems to have a big resume. So one of the things they were talking about in the commentary, which I thought was kind of cool, was that um, from crazy until the end of the season, so these last six episodes, I believe, they developed this material all together. Like they, by the time they started writing crazy, they knew where the entire rest of the season was going and how they were going to get there and how they were going to make it happen over this spread of episodes. So this whole arc um, from Topolsky coming back to the end was all developed together. And it was in an attempt to raise the stakes and get the show renewed by the network because they knew they were in trouble. So that's also why there's like a really big shift in the style of the show so that makes a lot of sense i would say it's definitely gotten heavier on the sci-fi um Mm -hmm. and kind of less focused on the romance towards the end of the season which i love i mean i like the romance too but i'm a big sci-fi nerd (laughs) i also think it was like this seemed like a much more cohesive arc than anything that they've done before everything else was pretty much like one-off episodes like this seemed mm-hmm. very deliberate. Like, here's the story that we want to tell, and we're going to do it in these, what was it, six episodes? Mm-hmm. And I think they did a pretty good job. Yeah, I yeah. agree. I think it's a solid season finale, for sure. Oh, yeah. With zero laughs in it. Well, yeah. nobody laughs in this episode. <laughs> yeah, no I mean, surprise there. it would be weird if they did. Yeah. I yeah. feel like the only person who would be laughing in this episode would be, like, Pierce. Oh, absolutely, yeah. he would, yeah. But he's a sociopath. So we start with um, Max being like carry walked out of the facility. And I think it was really interesting that it was Michael and the sheriff who are carrying mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. Um, because, of course, the sheriff came in at the end of the last episode and saved the day and shot Pierce in the shoulder. Um, and then just like helped Michael get him out there to where everyone else was waiting. How did they get from that one security door all the way to the outside? Did Valenti just like brandish his gun 
and be like, you let me out of here. Like, surely there were more security checkpoints between that door and the exit. But maybe not. Maybe they're, like, right at the exit already. I don't know. But they seem to still be, like, deep in the compound when Valenti gets to them. So the split, when they say, like, we're going to split up and we're going to meet at the silver mine that the sheriff suggested in Golidos to buy them some time, they're going to, like, split up so that, you know, they have a better chance getting away. But the split is the sheriff by himself. Mm -hmm. And then Maria, Alex, Tess, Michael, and Isabel, all the characters with power, (laughs) plus the two others, in one car. And then Max, who's, like, heavily injured emotionally and physically in a car with Liz who has neither the physical strength nor any powers to be able to protect him or even support him if he needed to right, walk even somewhere. physically support yeah. him to walk <laughs> I totally agree when they were driving away I was like three cars like how is this breakdown working and no one was with the one guy with a weapon who could protect people yeah well he has a weapon so well right so he has a weapon the aliens are weapons yeah right so valenti can fend for himself but it's more max like the one that yeah you know is weak and injured and is the one that is being chased and Mm -hmm. just went through serious trauma yeah like and he's with arguably the weakest one of them I mean, I think Maria oh, has yeah. has a little bit over Liz in that category. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I feel like Maria just has like a little bit more. She's a little more of a spitfire. Yeah, exactly. So she's like, got, oh, she'd yeah. like claw your eyes out if she had to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like don't don't cross Maria. Yeah, that's for sure. She'll, like bitch slap you and pull your hair at least. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Amy Deluca's car gets shot to heck here. Oh yeah. Yes. Poor Amy is gonna be so mad. This is going to drive her insurance premiums way, way up. Yeah. I'm sure her insurance premiums are already through the roof with everything else that's happened to the car. This is true. Yeah. So when I was watching this, I was like, man, that's a great scream from Liz. Like, great acting, Sherry Appleby. And then when I watched the commentary, I found out they did not tell her that there was fake glass in the back window and they were going to blow out the (gasps) glass. So she wasn't acting. That's so mean. Jason Bear knew, but like, I guess it wasn't like in the script, quote unquote, like she did not know they were going to bust the glass. So that was a genuine scream and reaction from (laughs) her when the glass blows out. Oh, poor Sherry Appleby. (laughs) But it was a great reaction from her. Like it was fantastic. Yeah. So they get out of the car, run all over Tarnation and somehow end up right back Mm -hmm. on a major road again where there's more bad guys just like, hello, we have been waiting here for you. Thank you for following the prescribed path. We appreciate it. We will murder you now. (laughs) And so they do the only sensible thing and jump off a bridge. Mm -hmm. In the dark. So, like, they probably knew there was water beneath them, but, like, they couldn't Uh. see what they were jumping to. Yeah. Also, can I just say, I do think it's funny that these agents are dressed like men in black with assault rifles. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just a little ridiculous. And they're in the, like, gigantic Humvee. Yeah. Huge they're like red they're not rubber. inconspicuous at all this no. is very obvious no. um this chase scene was another thing that i they talked about in the commentary which is it like the studio or you know when they were going over the episode they're like god how are we gonna make this happen and the director was like no leave it in we are gonna make it happen and they had to film in six different locations to Whoa. get all of that stuff um which is expensive you know the more locations you add in the more expensive it is 
and them jumping off the bridge. They were actually jumping off the roof of the studio on the Paramount oh, lot God. into into an airbag, <gasps> like underneath. Wow, they did a good job making it look like it was a bridge into yeah. water. And also, they had Shiri in a wetsuit because of the water scenes, and um, they wouldn't let her pee the whole time <gasps> because the wetsuit oh, was no. so hard to get in and out of. And it was super cold out when they were filming, so she like needed the wetsuit on for warmth. Right. And then they were like, nope can't pee so like all oh, of her no. stress was also apparently real because oh, no. she had to pee Aww. they would not let her poor sherry this was tough episode for her also can i say it was such an emergency to jump you know like there were they were surrounded they had to jump but they still took the time to stop and kiss <laughs> well it could have been their last kiss ever yeah i was gonna say if you thought you were about to die and you had the opportunity to kiss the love of your life one last time. Sure, that's fair. You would do it. So after the credits, we get the water scene that Lorena's talking about. And here we see that Liz has her own power, which is to be fully submerged in water and then come out with her hair completely dry. Amazing. Incredible. <laughs> wow. What a fun power. Even before that, when they were running through and, and Max keeps falling. I mean, he's clearly weak. Mm-hmm. I got very excited because... The opening credits were still showing and guest star Howie Durow came up on my screen. <laughs> and I must say, I'm an sync girl. I, you know, back in those days, I was an sync girl, but I can always appreciate a Backstreet Boys member, even if it is Howie. <laughs> the other big name guest star in this episode is Jeannie Francis, soap actress extraordinaire. <laughs> she has been in Days of Our Lives, All My Children, The Young and the Restless, and General Hospital. Also, Whoa. Lorena... I doubt mm-hmm. you remember her, but she was in one episode of Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. <sighs> I bet I'd recognize her when I saw the episode, if I went back and watched that now. Yeah. yeah. Well, and y'all also, I think, uh, would recognize Mr. Jeannie Francis, Jonathan Frakes. Oh! oh! She, it's the, the their mom, right? Yes. Yeah, I think she did a great job. Well, back to them running through the water and looking for a safe place to land. I did really like how Liz really takes charge in this and is really leading Max along mm-hmm. and like really responsible for getting him to safety because I feel like a lot of the time we see Liz as more of a follower mm-hmm. and sort of like a love sick puppy dog and like so to really see her take charge of the situation I liked seeing Yeah, it's that. good to know that she can step up. Yeah. Agreed. One of uh one of the strong things she did though that I don't know is the right decision was just like aggressively making out with Max, which I don't think is probably what he needed uh, at this yeah. particular moment. <laughs> Um, but I'm guessing she yeah, realized yeah. that when she got the flashes of him being horribly tortured and was like, oh, so you're, you're probably not feeling like super sexy right now. OK, yeah, we'll stop. Okay, OK, got it. Got I know, it. I'm glad she learned Sorry. her lesson. <laughs> I, I have that in my notes. I'm like immediately majorly making out. Not the time for that. Yeah, <laughs> it's really not. Do you think she did it to try to see what happened? Oh, that's a good point. Mm. I don't think so. I think she was just like so overcome and so happy to be with him and so happy that they survived that there was just a rush of emotion and she was just like like, I think she forgot the circumstances for a second she was just like we're alive we're here we're together let's kiss oh crap wait hang on you just had like extreme trauma okay slow down but yeah I think that's a good question Ashley yeah yeah I also I hadn't thought of that but I guess it's possible yeah I just I don't think she's that like that feels manipulative and I I don't think Mm -hmm. Liz would do that to Max um I think like she was 
respects the boundaries. But yeah, I think she was surprised by it and was just like, oh, okay, I get it now. And also just knowing how much they love to kiss each other. It yeah. does make sense that <laughs> they would just yeah. start kissing. Yeah. The second they were, you know, kind of in a safe spot. So then we go to the Jeep with the five people crammed into it who all could have been busy protecting max whatever it's fine and michael is like we're not leaving anyone behind while tess is like so we left nisado behind what's up with that we shouldn't have done that let's go to the pod chamber and like meet up there and save him and michael's like but max like we're max is more important than nisado but tess has known nisado for her whole life yeah so Mm -hmm. i think like her loyalties, I think her loyalties are kind of shifting. Like, she's only known Nisado, and now she feels like she wants to be a part of this group. They've made it clear she's not really a part of them at this point. Yeah. And so I think she's having this struggle between, like, what her life has been and what she thinks it could be with Max as her partner if he ever uh, comes over to her side. Yeah. Oh, and everybody in this car, though, the actors are doing such a good job being like stressed out Mm -hmm. just like the emotion and on all of their faces in this like tight little car scene i was impressed with all five of them yeah i also was really impressed with the next scene uh when we're back to liz learning about the max and tess prophecy or destiny thing or whatever we want to call it like Mm -hmm. sherry appleby's acting in this i feel so terrible for her i'm like oh i don't yeah At this point, I don't think that Liz and Max have shown themselves to be a really great couple, honestly. Like, I don't think that they're good for each other right now. But I still feel so badly for her. Yeah. As she's learning that he's theoretically destined to be with someone else. And she says some pretty strong things. Like, uh... Like that she wishes he'd never saved her life that day at the crash down. You know, like that's how much it hurts I her. I know. Oh, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, I also, so I had this thought um, when Max was saying he just wanted things to go back to normal. And I was like, Max, no, come on, buddy. Like it was never normal. Remember when you were like, what's so great about normal? And then I remembered that canonically, Max does not remember delivering one of the most iconic lines of this series. Oh. <laughs> Well, yeah, because he was drunk. Right. Yeah, he says in that episode he doesn't remember anything that happened while he was drunk. He's probably very confused about where all these feelings for Kyle are coming from since he doesn't remember them bonding. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so I thought the scene was really sweet. It was like very effective at uh, bringing up the emotions when Max tells Liz that like thinking of her is what kept him going through the torture. Mm -hmm. He tells her knowing you has made me human i was like ah what a cheesy line i don't this is stupid whatever max okay who's chopping onions in here (laughs) it's so stupid what is this water coming out of my face (laughs) and then he tells her that his destiny is her and this is the their first i love you's that we've heard at least ah so much is happening yeah it was a really powerful scene (gasps) and i I also thought when she said I love you too like I fully believe that she loved him but she sounded less sure not of the emotion but like less sure of the circumstances he was just yeah. like we're gonna be together it's fine like I love you this is it and I feel like she's mm-hmm. starting to have those doubts that we see later on where she's like I love you too I just don't know if that's gonna be enough for us to be able to be together mm-hmm. and it seems like she's starting to understand the importance of this destiny before he does you know he still is trying yeah. to deny that 
that's his destiny. Yeah, I question the importance of this destiny, but yeah. we can talk about that later. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So in Galenus, um, the others meet up with Valenti. And so when they realize that Max and Liz aren't there, obviously they're worried. And so that's when Valenti and Michael go back. But first Maria was like, Michael! And, you know, they had a little moment. Um, Which is sweet. Like, I feel like Michael, even like several episodes ago, would have just brushed her off and been like, whatever, I'm going. Yeah. And now they've come, they've become closer and he's yeah. matured a little bit emotionally. And he's like, okay, I recognize that you need this moment of connection. Uh, yeah. He gives her like a, a hug and recognizes that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's validating her feelings and her experience. Yeah. But still doing what he thinks needs to be done to rescue Max and yeah, I feel like Michael really has um, developed a lot in this season and has has grown up. Mm-hmm. I really I wonder like how much of it in the story is once he gets out on his own, like once he's not in this really toxic, dangerous yeah. home situation, once he's been emancipated and he's responsible for his own life, he does so much better. Like yeah. it's kind of amazing. What a coincidence. A, a terrible home life could actually affect someone. Yeah, and I do wish that they maybe had, like, referenced a little bit more the lasting effects of that kind of trauma. Yeah. Um, I think TV often erases trauma. I'll be curious to see if they do that with Max. I feel like they probably will, because, like, it's not that exciting to show someone going through uh, emotional experiences all the time. But, um, like, this is something that's going to stay with Max forever, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll be curious to see how they handle it. And like, a- abuse of childhood is going to stay with Michael forever. Right. And you're right, like, TV shows often gloss over that stuff, but it's really important to show that stuff because, unfortunately, there are many people in the world who have gone through trauma and who have gone through abuse. And, um, you know, it's Im- it's important to have that representation and to show the processing that really is necessary to, to get through that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Michael and Valenti are heading back to them. And then we go to the junkyard just for a second to see it's daytime. They wake up They're have, they have slept on this couch. Yeah. It's like they hear a car approaching and I think they're worried and like, they remember, Oh yeah, we're being chased. We should keep moving. Cause it's light now. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. I really like the little conversation in the car though, between Michael and the sheriff where like Michael yeah. still has trust issues, especially with mm-hmm. adults, especially with authority figures. So he's like, why are you doing this? And Jim says, there's a right side here and a wrong side. I don't think Pierce is on the right side. And I really appreciate that Jim is the kind of guy who just wants to do the right thing. And like, mm-hmm. he's open to changing his mind when he gets new information about the world. Like he takes that into consideration. Unlike both Nisado and Pierce, who are just set in their ways, they're single-minded, and like no matter what they learn, they would never change their worldview. Um, I think that's the mark of maturity and of goodness. I agree. And honestly, Lisa, I think I I love Valenti maybe almost as much as you love Bill Sadler. Yay! <laughs> almost. Almost. It's, it's hard to match. <laughs> I actually love what he says right after that when he says, um, I'd like to think that if my son were in trouble somewhere and I wasn't around to help, that somebody would be there for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has empathy. Yeah, and both saying, you know, what he's saying on the surface, but also kind of acknowledging that Michael doesn't have that father looking out for him. You know, yeah. so he's like, yeah. you know, since you don't have a parent here, I'm, I'm looking out for you. The way that yeah, I hope someone would do so for my nice. I know. Yeah. I love it. He has such a big uh, heart. Yeah. And he had, like, his character has such a great character arc over the season, like, seeing so much change in him yeah. over the course of the season. Yeah. In the commentary, they talk about how both the director and Jason Kadams talk about how much they love 
Bill Sather and how great he is and what a great actor he is through this whole scene. They're like, see, he's just so great. Aww. He's just so great he's to so work good. with. He's so good. He's so great. He's so great. <laughs> and he still has the scruff and he looks so good. Uh, but in the <laughs> in the Roswell High Times book that I have, there's a little um, quote from Bill Sadler in the uh, discussion of this episode where he says, when the season started, I was just the sheriff in dark sunglasses chasing these sweet young aliens. The people in my life have, little by little, been pushing me into the good guy category. It was something I always hoped would happen. A nice arc. Like, yeah, there totally. He deserves it. He deserves to become the good guy. He does. This is another moment that in the commentary they were talking about how she really was scared. Like, they were like, you gotta run at top speed. Like, this car okay. is gonna chase you. You better run fast. And she was like what and they were like you better run oh. and like okay i'm glad they at least told right, her at least they told her this time <laughs> yeah i was worried you were gonna be like so they just started chasing her with a car out of nowhere <laughs> let's hope she runs <laughs> god and then michael what oh my gosh they get out of the car and valenti is like pointing his gun ready to be like i don't really want to shoot at federal agents but like i'm gonna do what i have to and michael's like I got you, bro. And he puts out his hand and like, it's, we've seen him do it before. This is how he like got Hank to stop going after them when they were in the trailer. But it also is very much like what Nisado does when he shapeshifts, except the beam of light uh, that Michael gets is not focused on him. He's sending it out to the car. So at Mm -hmm. this point, like, he doesn't injure the agents. He must be focusing his energy on the car and stops it. And the sheriff's face is just like, uh, uh fuck. <laughs> I really like that Michael has found more focus in his power, and we really see that here. Like, you were talking about when they escaped from Hank. Like, yes, he used his powers then, but it was kind of all over the place. Even in that scene, it's like making the fridge door fly and making cabinets fly. Like, it wasn't like a focus point of energy. It was kind of like an explosion of crazy energy. Whereas, like, this is ultra-focused, like on a specific point and like he doesn't know at that moment that he didn't that he didn't kill the fbi agent but like his focus was just to stop the car and like he was able to do that i also i'm curious if the beam of light was just like a cool visual thing that they thought of towards the end of the season or if it's a deliberate thing to show that they're getting stronger with their powers because we'll talk about this again when we get to Max and Kyle later but it looks different like they're using their powers in similar ways to how we've seen them used before but it looks different now yeah and Mm -hmm. so I don't know if that's a a story choice or a (laughs) behind the scenes choice but I'm gonna choose to believe it's a story choice and read into it because why not yeah Mm -hmm. that's what i do now i give them the benefit of the doubt (laughs) way to go lisa yeah (laughs) michael isn't the only one who's grown this season (laughs) (laughs) thanks ashley yeah and it's um it seems like michael doesn't really even know what he did or how he did it and by it seems like Mm -hmm. i mean he actually says that yes (laughs) and valencia is just like 
I also don't know what's happening, but like when Michael's like, yo, we need to leave right now, Valenti snaps into action because that's what he does. He does what Mm -hmm. needs to be done even when he, like his head is reeling. He's just learned that there's not one alien out there, but there are at least two. And he's probably going through in his mind like, oh, there are probably more, but he's just doing what needs to be done to get these kids to safety. And he does. He knows that he just has to keep them safe. Yeah. And they're relying on him. And he takes that responsibility very seriously. And they are just kids. Yeah. So when they get to the silver mine, he tells them, the sheriff tells them, we'll be safe here for a while. And Michael is like, there is no safe anymore. Oh, heartbreaking. Which is true, but it's also, right, such a sad sentiment for this group of Mm -hmm. teenagers to realize that, like, they're not going to be able to find safety. Ugh. And I like the little scene here. Like, I feel like this is, this episode is, is showing us max's leadership skills we've seen max take charge a lot but i don't think we've seen max be a really true leader and i think in this Mm -hmm. he's being like he's being a good leader for the most part and i mean which is obviously leading up to the end (laughs) right yeah but i think part of that is him choosing to stay behind to talk to jim like he could have just gone in the mine and been like whatever we'll deal with it but he Mm -hmm. recognizes that like it's almost like they're the two adults you know who need to talk things through he's like the grown-ups are gonna have a moment here because he knows jim must be freaked out and Max wants to make sure that his people are actually safe with the sheriff. And Mm -hmm. so he ends up, like, confirming that Michael and Isabel are also aliens Mm -hmm. and, like, opening up to the sheriff. And I feel like it was a compliment to when the sheriff came in to give them the orbs and was like, if you want someone to trust you, you need to trust them first. Mm -hmm. And Max is like, okay, well, I'm going to tell you this information and then I'm going to, like ask you if we can still trust you and the sheriff seems like i mean this is a lot of information but like he's a good guy and he just wants to do the right thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so oh man when the sheriff is like well it's my life too and i need to know everything and max is like dude we actually like don't know anything like, yeah. yeah that's <laughs> mm-hmm. fair like you pretty much know everything now like we're yeah. aliens we don't know where we came from that's it like, yep. But I do like that he then says, like, we don't know, we don't know, we don't know, but we don't want to hurt anyone. We just want to stay alive. Yeah. Uh, you know, to have a teenager being like, I just want to stay alive. It, it's sad. Mm-hmm. And you can tell the sheriff has sympathy for it, but he's yeah. also thinking about his father and mm-hmm. that relationship that he has pretty much destroyed. Like, he, we've seen him try to rebuild it a little bit recently, but that relationship between Jim and his dad was broken because of his dad's insistence that there were aliens out there and everyone else's insistence that he was crazy. Mm-hmm. And so I think Jim is having this, like, earth-shattering moment where he's just like, everything my dad thought was right but I don't think if his conclusion was right that then we should turn these people in and like hand them over to the Mm -hmm. government. So he's like having to differentiate himself from his dad and like reconcile himself with his dad being right about the way the world works. And it's so much to process. And then Max kind of puts it on him of like, sure, your dad was right, but he would have turned us in. What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. You know, kind of making Valenti think about it of like, okay, now that I have this information, now what? Yeah, I think a lot of this is just Valenti having to decide what kind of man he wants to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he does. He makes that decision. Yeah. And he sticks by it. So while Max and the sheriff are outside talking, Michael goes into the mine and he isn't sure what's happened. And Tess tells him it's just his energy and how he focused it. Which is more of what Nisado was sort of saying, like, this is inside you, it's your potential, and now it seems like they're learning how to tap into this more. 
Mm-hmm. And Tess wants them to go and wait for Nacero, and nobody else does. <laughs> also, she says just the four of them. She's like, just the four of us. Yeah. That's not how it works here, Tess. We're all together. Yeah, I think, like, she's, though, like, she's basically been brainwashed by Nacero. Like, she's been raised by a sociopath yeah. who has told mm-hmm. her all these things about her destiny. And so I'm sure she expected that, like, the other ones, even if they didn't know their destiny, they would be drawn to it and they would feel the same way that she felt. Like, she doesn't, mm-hmm. she can't conceptualize an experience different than her own. Like, right. most people can't do that very well. Um, and she doesn't really even know what it looks like to have human relationships. So it makes sense that she doesn't really get what's happening. So as much as I'm like, ugh, whatever, Tess, shut up. I'm also like, oh, yeah, that must be hard. Like, she's never had friends. She doesn't know what Mm -hmm. that is. But also, like, I was saying I hated her, too. But I also was, I was young when I was watching this. I'm kind of excited to be Mm -hmm. watching it. I mean, the last time I watched it was college. And, you know, so between when it first came out and college, I watched it a bunch. But I haven't watched it for a while. And I'm kind of excited to see how I view Tess and understand her as an adult compared to back then. Same. I haven't rewatched it in quite a long time. Um, yeah, it'll be really cool to see their relationships and growth from an adult perspective this time yeah. around. Yeah, we get a little more foreshadowing here of things that are going to happen at the end of the episode where Michael says, maybe we should leave. And he's implying that they should do that to keep the humans safe. Like, if we're gone, then no one's going to be looking for you guys. Uh, And of course, Maria is like, no, I'm staying with you. And Alex is like, no, I'm staying with Isabel. And Liz is like, well, obviously, I'm staying with Max. And it's nice. And they all come together. And now Tess is kind of the odd one out. She doesn't have a partner in this established circle of relationships. And you see that awkward Mm -hmm. moment of her kind of standing by herself as everyone else is hugging and kissing. Yeah, and she's another character who's had her whole worldview upended. Mm -hmm. She thought things were going to be a certain way and I think like she can't understand why things aren't going the way that Nisato assured her that they always would. Like that's her parental figure, her only, the only parent she's ever known. And now she's separated Mm -hmm. with him. It seems like for the first time in a long time she separated from him and like the things that he's telling her aren't matching the way that she's viewing the world anymore. So that's a tough part of growing up. Totally. Mm. Um, but I like the way that this scene ends where Max is back in good leader mode and he says that they have to fight. They're all coming together and he says, we're stronger than he thinks. We may be even stronger than we think. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you are. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he also says, you know, cause they're worried. They're like, but Pierce knows who we are now. He says, Pierce knows who we are. But we also know who he is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, realizing that, like, wait, he should be scared of us. Hell yeah. 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 If he knows what's good for him. But Valeni's outside listening to the police scanner and hearing that, uh, you know, (sighs) Pierce is there acting like he's Deputy Fisher. And they're going to check on Kyle mm-hmm. to quote unquote check on him. Yeah. yeah. So obviously that's I scary. also I really like though, before we hear the radio chatter, Jim has this like quiet moment where he takes off his sheriff's badge and he kind of looks at it and then he puts it in his pocket. Mm. Like he's chosen his side. He's not gonna do what the law says just because it's the law. He's gonna do what he thinks is right. Mm-hmm. He's decided to be a person and not just a job. And I, uh, 
Uh, again, like we're showing the contrast between him and Pierce, who like yeah. Pierce is just the mission. That's all that drives him. And Jim has emotions and he has feelings and he is concerned about these kids and he genuinely cares about them. Like he doesn't mm-hmm. know them super well, but he knows that they're kids who need protection and he is going to be there to protect them. Yeah, and he's, he's you know, wanting to be a person, not the sheriff, but also wanting to be a dad. You know, his, his yeah. fatherhood is really important to him and clearly you know his identity um is really affected by the fact that he's a dad you know it's a big part of who he is and if we remember back like that's really how max started to win him over in the first place Mm -hmm. was when max brought in valenti's emotions about kyle when he was like Mm -hmm. i don't remember the lines exactly now but it was something to the effect of like would you do this to your own son yeah and that was really where we started to see the turning point for Valenti was when he realized like that's when he really realized like these are kids who need my help oh yeah um so we get this tiny little scene where at the Valenti house where for the first but certainly not last time in this episode Kyle is like what huh what's going on what's (laughs) happening why am I why am I involved in this Kyle he's so confused (laughs) poor sweet Kyle has no clue and then we start this like crazy epic plan that the kids have to get Pierce out of power to like get all of the problems solved it's like we're only like halfway into the episode and we're already at the climax and it's just gonna like stay there for the rest of the episode (laughs) while this huge plan gets put into action. Yeah, so we have the FBI guy at the Valenti's house, and then we have the FBI guy who I again thought was Pierce, but apparently is just another white dude with brown hair. Who knew? Yes. They all look the same. I know! So... We see that Tess can project these images into two minds at once, even if she can't see them. Like, she psychically pinpoints the agent at the Valenti house, even though, like, she doesn't really know who he Mm -hmm. is or anything about him or where precisely he is. This is a huge power. This is scary. This is a scary power. Yeah. And Liz points that out when she's like, whoa, like, this is, you can make people see things that aren't really there. And Tess, God lover, says, sometimes it's easier to do that than to make someone see something that's right in front of her eyes. Not the time. But also, (laughs) who paired these two up? Because mm, this was inevitable. Seriously. And then we go back to the Valenti house where uh, the agent who's guarding Kyle is uh, having a conversation with no one. And Kyle is very confused. And I think it's actually Kyle's reaction that breaks the hold on Tess's mind Mm -hmm. games because he says like, hey, yo, whatever. And you see the FBI agent snap out of it. And, uh, but Max to the rescue punches out and knocks out (laughs) the FBI agent right as he's, like, starting to, like, figure out something is not right. Oh, my gosh. And, like, yeah, Kyle's concerns here are 100% valid, perfectly understandable. Like, from his perspective, one of his father's uh, law enforcement colleagues has come by the house to protect him because something scary is happening and bad people have his dad. And then one of those people shows up cold cocks an FBI agent, locks him in the closet, and is like, I can't tell you anything. Your dad's fine. Take my word for it. Bye. Like, 
don't let this FBI agent out of the closet. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, boy. I want to take a moment here for Kyle telling Max, if anything happens to my dad, I'll kill you myself. I was like, whoa, dark Kyle. All right. Understand the sentiment, but don't love it. I could see Jim saying the same exact thing to someone about Kyle. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And we don't know where Kyle's mom slash Jim's ex-wife is, but she's obviously not in the picture at all. So... His dad is all Mm -hmm. he has. Just the two of them. No siblings or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the problem is that this clearly isn't an empty threat because there is a wall of guns that are not locked away, that are, I guess, loaded, and that are easily accessible to the child who lives in the house. Jim Valenti, I do not believe. I think I said this the first time we saw this wall of guns in a prior episode. I do not believe that Jim Valenti would practice unsafe gun. I don't think there's such a thing as totally safe gun ownership, but like Jim would have these guns locked away. Absolutely. I mean, just from the fact that he is a good dad and a responsible adult, but also that he is a law enforcement official. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So also Tess had, you know, made them have that vision of Pierce telling them to go to Hondo. Mm -hmm. So I looked up where Hondo is. Hondo is a real place, 51 minutes away from Roswell. It's uh, right near the Muscolero um, Reservation. But then I realized, oh, let me also look up where Galinas is. Galinas, mine, is over three hours away from Roswell. So, uh, I don't know about that. But we don't know where e- we don't know where Eagle Rock is exactly. Was maybe Eagle Rock was even further away? So like the mine was like on the way back to town. I don't know. Mm. So we go to freaking Pierce being not only evil but rude. He's just sitting there at the sheriff's desk, going through his things, Ugh. super cash, like whatevs, la di da, what a jerk. Yeah. And so the sheriff like makes this fake deal with Pierce to protect him and Kyle and his dad. And I didn't believe this at all, but I'm curious if y'all thought like, ooh, maybe like is the sheriff because he does like a good acting job of being like, I'm just worried about my son and I want to protect my reputation and I want to protect my kid and like I just want a new life what did you guys think so I can't remember what I thought when I first saw this episode but we do have another first time watcher along with us Ashley did you think oh yeah producer Ashley like did you fall for it and think that he was actually like turning them in uh no like when it very first happened I was a little confused but then when I realized that he was trying to like play into it and I, I never for a second thought that he was gonna turn yeah. on yeah the he's just so oh, good no, i love him uh so pierce also says the sheriff shot him and he said the bullet hit him six inches from his heart so like in the grand scheme of things six inches from your heart is is pretty far like not that i would ever want to be shot anywhere but it's not like oh that almost hit me right in the heart it's like no bud that's like your entire chest away it like shot you in the shoulder yeah it shot him in the shoulder which is like it's weird that then his shoulder seems fine like it's briefly in a sling in the ufo museum but then when they tie his arms behind his back like he would be in agony if he had been actually shot he's fine and like in even when the arm is in the sling he's like holding the gun with that hand and i was like oh (laughs) all right well Okay. <laughs> I, I like forgot that he had gotten shot because he wasn't acting like it. Because yeah. he forgot he had gotten <laughs> shot. The adrenaline of the whole day and the whole situation, he does not have time to be thinking about a gunshot wound. Yeah. Or that's me giving him the benefit of the doubt right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so part of that trade was for Valenti to, to show Pierce where they are. So Valenti takes mm-hmm. him to the UFO center where clearly, you know, they had arranged this thing. So the kids are there. 
and when they first enter pierce tells him shoot to kill and even the civilians civilians are also fair game yeah yeah crazy so they sell this betrayal angle with jim pretty hard and michael takes him away yes leaving max alone with pierce but i like that they still at this point still have pierce believing that valenti is on his side and that they are gonna assumably take valenti somewhere else to question him and basically do the same thing to him Mm -hmm. somewhere else separate the enemy question them separately but as soon as they get out of sight of pierce then michael frees valenti and is like thanks dude (laughs) no he says i always thought you were out to get us dramatic pause and I'm glad I was wrong. Yeah. Aww. And then they hug, but not really, but in my head. And, and for the first time, Michael's <laughs> like really actually acknowledging that Valenti is not a bad guy, that they can trust him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Finally. Yeah. So, okay. I hated this scene where Max is threatening Pierce. He's using a lot of the same lines Pierce used on him in the yeah. white room. What did you guys think? Because I feel like this is supposed to be, like, satisfying for us. It's like, ooh, turnabout is fair play, Pierce. But, like, this is not going to help Max heal. This doesn't seem true to Max's character. I get that he's, like, gone through this trauma and he's really angry. But, like, this is so bad for him. And, like, he's just lowering himself to Pierce's level and threatening torture. And I just, ugh, I couldn't get past it. I actually saw it less as that as max lowering himself to his level and like actually threatening these things and more of um max kind of having the chance to show pierce how horrible it is and how scary it is to be vulnerable and uh you know tied up or in a white room or whatever and have somebody threatening things like this maybe it's just wishful thinking yeah that i don't that think max Max's would really intention. follow through with those things no definitely not No, but I think then the threats are just cruelty for cruelty's sake. And it's not like Pierce doesn't know that it's unpleasant or horrifying or, like, abysmal to be in this situation. He knows that's why he does it. Yeah, but he's never been on the other side of it. And I think Mm -hmm. it's, like, trying to show him what it's like on the other side of it. Yeah. So all the other kids are upstairs, and I would think at least one of them would be like, I don't know if this is a good idea. But I like that they're all so encouraging when Isabel is like, I don't know if I can do this dreamwalking thing when, like, he's awake and I don't have a picture of him and yeah, I'm not no looking picture. at him. And they're all like, yeah, you can, girl. You got this. And she does. Yeah. Yeah. So she finds the information they need, which is Nisado is going to whatever place that they're taking him in the helicopter. And she sees what the truck looks like that they're taking him in. And that he's definitely dead. Which we know as an audience, but they don't know. Yeah. But Tess is like, uh-huh, yeah, whatever, JK. He's not actually dead. Like, <laughs> oh, no, he can't die. It's just another of his fun disguises. We just need to find this Native American dude and, like, some rocks. <laughs> and then they're all like, been there, done that. Like, yeah. we met that dude and he gave us those rocks. So, cool. <laughs> we'll just go uh, resurrect Nisado. Is Nisado immortal? Are all the aliens immortal? Are the kids part immortal? Are they like demigods? Are they going to have extended lifespans? What is happening? When they saved Michael, he wasn't dead yet. You know, maybe they can be used to heal the the four of them when they're close to death. But then Nisado's the only one who can be brought back once he's already dead. I don't know. Just a guess. They obviously can't be immortal, though, because our four 
15 aliens, they all were dead and their essence was cloned into the human bodies. So how does that work? Maybe it's possible that on their planet, people, aliens, whatever, don't die until these bad guys came and discovered how to kill them. Ooh, scary. You know, like we don't know. Maybe on, on their planet it works differently. Or maybe they can't die here from a gunshot because that's not how they die on their planet. Maybe they can only die of old age or, you know, like we don't know much about their planet. So I like here, Michael is like, dude, Valenti, you're contacted the AG's office. This isn't really made it up. And Valenti's like, yeah, look, like I don't really know what to do because if I turn Pierce in, I turn all of you in. Pierce is immediately going to be like, those are the aliens, go get them. And Jim doesn't want to do that. And so you can tell he's kind of thinking like, we're going to have to kill this guy. But he doesn't want to. He doesn't like relish the thought of killing yeah. their enemy. He's yeah. just like, oh, And he doesn't want to say, he's not saying that's what has to happen, even though he knows that's what has to happen. Yeah. And that's what keeps our, our good guys being the good guys, is like there is this really bad guy who just tortured their friend, who's threatening to torture and or kill the rest of them. And still, none of them feels comfortable killing him. Nobody wants to kill him. Yeah. I like that uh, Pierce is tied up. And in this next scene, you see that over his head is a sign that reads, the answers are out there. (laughs) It's like, all right, set dresser, I see you. Okay. And then I also see Kyle. And I'm like, no, Kyle, Kyle. run away, Kyle. Poor Kyle, you don't have enough information to know that what you're doing is very bad. How did he know? How did he know they're at the UFO center? Maybe he assumed, like, he knows that Max is involved. Maybe he, like, drove by the Evans' house and they weren't there. So he was like, well, I know where he works. Or maybe he went to the crash down because he was like, well, he's probably holed up Ooh, with and Liz. And then saw a car parked and across like, the oh, street. across the street I saw, he saw, yeah, his dad's car yeah. or, you know. Whoever, yeah. But Kyle, Pierce puts back on the, like, southern drawl. So clearly at some point in the last couple days, like, maybe Kyle stopped by the station and met the new deputy. I don't know. Whatever. But he, like, slips back into Deputy Fisher mode, convinces Kyle to untie him, and then is like, now listen here, son. Guns are dangerous. You better give that to me because I'm your trustworthy law, man. I'm like, no, Kyle. I agree you shouldn't have a gun, but don't give it to this idiot. Poor dumb Kyle. Poor, poor, dumb, dumb. But, like, it's not dumb, really, with the information available to him. No, I know, but I'm just like, no! (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you can't blame him for this. They left him out. They should have kept him in the loop. Yeah. They didn't trust Kyle, so why would Kyle trust them, like, in the absence of any knowledge about their plan? From his perspective, they have kidnapped and tied up an FBI agent who they shoved in his closet and now they've tied up a deputy who works with his dad and he thinks that they're probably doing the same thing or worse to his dad so like yeah of course he's gonna be like oh yeah of course law man I'll help you out and Pierce at this point like actually believes that he was captured with Valenti and that they do have Valenti in custody yeah you know Pierce believes that because that's what he was made to believe so yeah you can't blame Kyle Mm -hmm. but poor Kyle Oh, I know. And he certainly gets punished for this mistake that wasn't his fault. Yes, he does. Yeah. But because he doesn't get out of there when Pierce says, now get out of here, like, he obviously doesn't leave. He's hiding somewhere back there. Well, this all happens really quickly. I think he could have been leaving, but, like, it's in slow-mo for us, but this is, like, a second. Yeah. When they come back, Pierce stands That's up, true. takes aim, and starts shooting. Like, if you hear gunshots, you're probably just going to, like, crouch instinctively, just, like, crouch down where yeah. you are. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I've never been shot at, and I hope not to. So, yeah, I think this is reasonable. So we have this slow-mo where Pierce stands up, and he takes aim, and 
The sheriff's instinctual reaction is to protect Michael and Max. He shields them with his body and then gets them out of the way. And then he turns to have this gunfight with Pierce. And he also yells gun, which is like a very uh, cop show thing to do, which I appreciated. (laughs) Uh, But he like empties his gun at Pierce. It's it's impressive how quickly he acts. Like he's clearly well trained. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, I think it makes it would have made more sense instead of him having this little revolver that only fires six shots for him to have had what was probably his duty weapon, which would have had a larger magazine, but whatever. But then we wouldn't have this dramatic moment of him reloading. Exactly. Yep. And then Pierce, none of those shots hit Pierce. Pierce jumps back up and then Michael has to take command and use his power to save everybody. And as a result, kills Pierce, which is devastating for Michael. Like, he doesn't want that on his hands, even though there was no other choice. Yeah, and I think this moment here with Bill Sadler's acting, where he recognizes the gun in Pierce's hand as one of his own and realizes Kyle must be around somewhere and then looks over and sees him with a gunshot wound in his chest. This is not six inches from the heart. This is like right in the vicinity of, if not through the heart. He has been shot by Jim's own bullet. Oh my my gosh. Can you even, oh, I wouldn't even want to imagine like the horror and the guilt and the like, fear and sadness and oh the desperation I can't imagine and he oh my gosh. and he did a good job like you said his acting here Ugh. is amazing he did a good job of portraying a, a desperate father just the pain yeah. and oh my god oh and my fear like the fear Ugh. on his face um as he turns to the yeah. others and is like help help me somebody do something yeah you it's know? so good yeah and like they all kind of They're stand there for maybe an implausibly long moment yeah. So that we can we carry this over the into a commercial break. Yeah, commercial com- break. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Jim is like begging Max to help him. But like, of course Max yeah. is going to help him. Yeah. I don't. Of course he is. Max isn't even going to really hesitate. No, but that's like commercial drama. Like you got to leave things on a an intense note before that commercial break. But yeah. I do like the kind of like bookend, you know, how we kind of come full circle to Max healing someone again. Yeah. You know, like yes. first episode and last episode. Mm-hmm. And this is where we see a familiar power that now looks different. So yeah. like Michael, when he accidentally killed Pierce, had that glow in his hand. And we see this glow now when Max is healing Kyle, which we didn't see when he healed Liz. He also told Liz she had to look him in the eyes, which I don't think she did. But he doesn't do that with Kyle. We don't see flashes. I'm yeah. curious if Max is getting flashes and we're just not seeing them. Mm, just because he liked her. Okay, here's my real question. Is Kyle right. going to fall in love with Max now? Because I would watch that show. <laughs> oh my god, I would watch yeah. it so hard. Ah, Another alternate reality. Can I just say <laughs> one more thing that uh, is different about the Liz healing versus the... Kyle here. Yeah. Liz has still had blood all over her. <laughs> Kyle's just, and it's just dry. It's a clean yep. shirt with a hole in it, with a bullet yep. hole. Okay, yeah. so maybe Max's power has developed to the point that he just put all that blood back inside of oh, Kyle. Oh, so he didn't even lose any blood. Oh. Right, like it got yeah. sucked back in. Look who's, making, look who's making excuses now. I love it. I know, right? <laughs> Who would have thought? 
if he's going to manipulate the molecular structure of Kyle and heal the bullet hole, like, can't he manipulate the molecular structure of the t-shirt cotton and also the mend t-shirt. the t-shirt back together? <laughs> like, no, this t-shirt's still You ruined. know what? He's still weak from being tortured, though. Like, I'm honestly surprised that he had as much strength as he showed yeah. in this episode. Like, punching a guy hard enough to knock him out without using alien powers, it seems like, melting the door shut, walking around, tying up Pierce, and then, like, full-on healing someone. This is interesting. We don't really see the aliens getting drained from using their powers, but it seems like this would be, like, very taxing, both physically and emotionally. We do see a little flash of that, though, because after he heals Kyle and we see that Kyle is okay, like, so we have this little moment where we see Max kind of, like, falter, in his energy level. Um, so I think we do see him getting drained by it. Like, all of, everything is hitting him. Uh-huh. Yeah. There's a lot going on in Max's body right now. Yeah. And I wonder if one of those things is visions of Kyle in a cute little dress with pies on it. <laughs> <laughs> cupcakes? Maybe this dress is actually yeah, cupcakes. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Uh, but so Max goes over to Michael to reassure him. He knows he's feeling badly about Pierce. I do not buy that at this point... Isabel and Maria would not be over there talking to Michael already. They're both super supportive and like they're attuned to what he's yeah. going through. I know they wanted to have this moment this way, but like I I think both of them would have already been over there talking to him regardless totally. of whatever else was going on. No, you're Especially right. Maria would have been like, yeah, I need to like be there for him and Isabel is has always been so worried about yeah, she's him. She's always been protective. Like she's always been trying to look out for him emotionally. She would yeah, be there. You're totally right. Michael is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I did want to kill Pierce. Like he didn't mean to kill Pierce, but he wanted to, and that was maybe like the intention that was in his deepest part of his mind, and that is then what focused his energy on what ended up happening. I don't know. We still like don't really understand how this right. works, but it seems like Michael has done this and it wasn't totally unexpected from his perspective. So he feels like he should have been able to do more to, like, stop himself. Like, he thinks these are his worst impulses, and now they're, like, becoming reality. Yeah. Ugh. So he's really concerned about what kind of person yeah, he is. Which I think if you're that concerned about what kind of person you are, you're probably not that bad of a person. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you did just kill someone? Well, I don't know. I mean... But, like, so he's always... He's always had a lot of questions about his identity. He's never felt really strong in who he is. And he's always had Max to compare himself to. Max with the perfect life. Max with the perfect relationship. Max with the perfect family and the perfect house and the perfect grades. And now he's standing here. And Max with the ability to heal people. Right. So now he's standing here with this, like, the starkest of contrasts where he's like, Max, no, like, I kill people. You heal them. You're good. And I'm bad. I'm just like, ah. It's all circumstances. Mm -hmm. And I think, like, both of them probably have these impulses inside of them. We've seen Max's temper, and it can be brutal. Mm -hmm. But, like, he's had the tempering influences of the stable family life and of people telling him constantly, you're good, Max. Whereas Michael has had Hank telling him, you're garbage and you're worthless, and he's never gotten love. Which resulted in him probably doing worse in school. So then teachers are like, you are not doing well, and you're not good, not as good as this guy, Max. You know, it all it bleeds into all other parts of life. 
Yeah. I do think it was an interesting costuming choice here that while Michael is like, I'm bad and you're good, Michael is wearing white and Max is wearing black mm. or like really dark gray. So we sort of have like the inverse mm. of the traditional good, bad color scheme going yeah, I on. Didn't even ca- I didn't even catch that. Um, but before this conversation even happens, we skipped over one part that I want to mention, which is mm. that we know that Max healing Kyle has really solidified um, Valenti being on their side when Valenti says, I don't care who you are or what you are. I'll be here for you. Yeah, it's so yeah, good. Like he realizes that he he owes everything to them now because uh, Max saved his son's life. Yeah, and honestly, I think Jim would have been there for yes. them regardless. Like, he's already made that decision. But now he's like, wow, like, I'm indebted to you. So, like, I'll go above and beyond. Right. It doesn't matter what it takes. Because he... And he's saying it aloud to them. Like, mm-hmm. right. I have your back. I am on your side. Yeah. yeah. And, like, Forever. Max has just saved the most important thing in Jim's life. So I think Jim mm-hmm. now feels like, well, there's... Like, I have to be willing to do anything and everything to protect yeah, totally. you. Right. It's not just a you can trust me. Uh, it's that, like, you can come to me for anything. I will do anything yeah, for exactly. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Including, apparently, probably, helping them bury Pierce's body or burn it or gosh i hope something. they like dissolved it in acid or something so the fbi never <laughs> finds it because otherwise it's going to be deeply yeah. problematic so then maria does go over to michael and like oh yeah. my gosh this heartbreaking moment <sighs> where maria's like yeah. why do you feel comfortable just throwing me away because michael's like i don't need anyone and she's like but you do need me i can tell why are you doing this and he says maybe because i love you too much and then Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> okay, do we think Michael has ever said I love you to no, anyone not before? Not a single human. No. Not even to Max and Isabel. Oh. Definitely not. Ah. Yeah, I don't even... Yeah. Uh, and the first time he, he can finally acknowledge these feelings is when he feels like he's protecting Maria by leaving her life. Oh, Michael. Because there was that one time a few episodes ago, too, where he was about to say it and she's like you don't have to say it mm-hmm. i know oh i know i was so like, mad so we we literally like <laughs> this is his first time really saying it to her and oh uh, it's so oh uh, it's because he knows he has to leave her but he's also like trying to save her from himself it's not even like the yeah. totality of the circumstances it's not even the whole situation it's like he thinks he's dangerous like he needs to figure out who he is and what he's capable of before he can allow someone like maria to be around him or he might be putting her in danger yeah she's like oh my gosh so sad it's very sweet but it's very sad and alex of course is just the perfect guy and he's like listen isabel like i know what you need to do and i know that you need to do alone and they have a little kiss and i'm just like oh my gosh what a guy and then liz is like i'm coming i choose my own fucking destiny i'm coming along for the ride but why is liz coming what is she going to contribute because max says like i can't make you do this implying that like he asked her to come or like they talked about it at some point why would liz go she can't help because we have to have her big dramatic walk out at the end for the plot yeah that's the plot reason but i don't know the story reason um i'm not sure there is one anyway she's definitely (laughs) not there when they're like clobbering agents of the federal government over the head with two by fours She's waiting in the car. In the truck? <laughs> no, they get they drive away in the stolen transport but, truck. But they must have taken the car there, so she probably then is driving back. They must yeah, have. maybe she, she followed drives in the, car. the yeah. car. Okay, is it her and Tess yeah. together again, just squabbling over Max? Yep. 
Probably. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay, so here's another thing. I so want they, that scene. They are at this transport truck by the side of the road, the one that Isabel saw when she, like, connected with Pierce. And they get mm-hmm. into the truck, and Isabel says off-camera, like, ADR, it's him, it's Nacedo, let's go. And this is Isabel saying this, mm-hmm. right? Because I think it's just her yeah. and Max in the car. She drives off. And then the second that they get to the pod chamber, Isabel is like, Michael, are you sure this is Nacedo? Because of oh. course she wouldn't know. She's never seen him in that form. That's funny. Like, her her last line in that scene is, it's Nacedo. And then her first line in the next scene is, is this Nacedo? I missed that. Oh. <laughs> I did not put these pieces together. Neither did the writers. Oops. Whoopsies. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I don't know, maybe from the vision she assumed it was Nacedo, and that's why she said that, like, oh, yeah, this is the guy I saw in that vision, but then once they got there, she was like, Michael, now that I'm seeing this up close and in person, um, Nacedo was, like, a scrawny white dude before? Maybe. We're gonna, yeah, that's what happened. That's what happened. (laughs) But they do conclude that it's him, and they start using their healing rocks, and then I was kind of curious because last time they used the healing rocks, they were in like a very specific configuration. And now they're just kind of like standing like all on one side of him, just holding them. Yeah. So here was my thought on that. I think that because in the uh, episode, The Balance, where they are all healing Michael, we have this whole thing. River Dog tells them, like you said, the positions to stand in. They have to all drink the water to yeah. connect themselves. I'm going to posit that it's because the humans were involved Mm. in that because they had to like get keyed into the alien energy or life force or whatever it is. But that when it's just for aliens that they're like automatically psychically connected in this way. Mm. Maybe I'm giving the writers too much credit. Who knows? It's something I've never done before. But this is what I thought. Like it's a different (laughs) circumstance because it's just like this is alien business. Well, my now. other thought also is like last time they were just like in a random cave, and this time they're in the, you know, they're in the pod chamber. They're pod He's chamber. laying on this thing that like you know maybe because they're there it like it works differently. Yeah, there's some like energy yeah. resonance or because something. Tess did say like, oh, he told me to go to the chamber. You know that like it right. there's some reason to be there instead of you know any random spot in a cave. Yeah, he told her to go there if anything ever happened to him, but it never once occurred to him to go back to Roswell to look for the other aliens. Okay, fine. Whatever. Also, like, he told her to go there if anything ever happened to him, but, like, how would he have gotten there? Like, they had to go bring his body there. Right. What if they were, like, in Paris and he, like, fell off of a building and she had to be like, like, all right, um, let me get a flight to New Mexico. (laughs) Yeah. Someone stick this. Oh my god! And then it becomes a lost crossover. Oh my god! But first, she first she has to be <laughs> pregnant before she gets on that plane. No, she's taking the role of Jack Shepard oh, with the dead okay. dad in the coffin. Oh yeah, yeah. But then who's mm-hmm. the pregnant Australian? Um, Matthew Fox, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> okay. Anyway. So we, when they're doing the healing thing, uh, we see what I assume is supposed to be Nisato's true form. And he's like your stereotypical gray yep. exiled uh, alien. He's a, he's a gray alien. This made me Boring. so sad. I was like, can he look cooler, please? Or like, we just see like a skeletal structure or something. Like, I don't want to see... Like a boring, typical little green man, a little gray man. He's not Same green. idea. But 
Yeah, I wish they'd left more to the imagination with that. I agree. Yeah, also there are flashes of Ed Harding, and when this whole process finishes, he looks like Ed Harding, and I don't (laughs) understand why, other than that's what we're familiar with, but, like, this isn't his default form. Why would he look that way? Yeah, why aren't we seeing flashes of all the other forms that we've seen him take? Right, right. Like, not, I mean, not just the two most recent. Nah, I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense. But Tess, like, as soon as he comes out of it, is like, oh, daddy, I'm so glad you're home. And he's like, shut up, you're not ready for this. I'm like, oh, brutal. (laughs) That's why, like, we do need to have more understanding for Tess. Because, like, this is her only parental figure. I mean, really, her only family member in the world. And he doesn't give a shit about her. Right. This is her dad. He's just literally been dead. And she's like, I helped bring you back to life. And he doesn't even, like, pat her on the head. He's just like, ugh, you people suck. You can't do anything right. Like, what the (laughs) heck, dude? Say thank you, maybe. All I have have in my notes for this part is, sits up fast, kind of a dick. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, accurate. Accurate. And then Nesedo is also like, what's Liz doing here? She doesn't belong here. And I'm like, fair point, but very rude and like not your priority (laughs) right now. And Max is just like, she's with me. But so Nesedo tells him like, oh, it's not my job to show you how the orbs work. My job is just to protect you. It's definitely not to lead you or to teach you anything. And not because I don't know how. (laughs) Don't ask questions. Other aliens who crashed with them, who died or were captured and tortured by the FBI, I'm sure there was four of them. I'm sure they all had a role to play in the situation. Mm. Nacero was probably yeah. the bodyguard. You yeah, know, he was not chosen for this mission for his caretaking ability, his empathy, or any of that. Like, his job was to be the bodyguard. We don't know what the three who didn't make it this far what their job in the situation was what their role was to play yeah yeah it does seem like he's a little bit um maybe lower level (laughs) than we would have probably thought like he's he's got his job but he doesn't have a lot of information but he doesn't even really seem to understand how the alien technology works so like maybe that was just the comms director's job and no one else understood but it seems like if you have four people on a spaceship they should all know how to use the but telephone. But he does know. He may not know how to make them work but he does know about the dangers of using them. That like you, you Right. You don't know who else right. you might you don't contact. Know who you're going to contact in the process. Yeah. And then Max is like, all right, well, if you're not our leader, then who is? And everyone in the cave just they like turns and stares at, at Max. Max. Like uh, you're the tall, handsome, cis, het, white man, so, like, obviously Why you. Why even asking? <laughs> and it's like, but Isabel looks more yeah. like a leader to me, because she is also tall and beautiful, and she's a woman. So, obviously. Yeah, she's way more level-headed. If COVID-19 has taught us anything, it's that female leaders are much better at handling <laughs> crises than not. Yeah, we know this. We know this. The four of us know this, but... Yeah. So then Max has this idea for Nacedo to take Pierce's place in order to protect them. And this is, like, fine short-term, but it seems like a really facile solution. Like, this is not going to work long-term. Nacedo is not going to be able to keep up the appearance of being Pierce. He knows nothing about him. He's not going to be able to pretend to be him. And, like, how long is he going to be able to keep them off the scent of these obvious aliens who are now going around using alien technology have never been that great at being subtle about the fact that they're (laughs) aliens and then like what's he gonna do like i know nisato wouldn't have any qualms about like 
hurting innocent people, but is he just going to go around being like, no, no, the aliens are actually these random people in Florida. Go torture them instead. Like, what's the plan? He's going to have to do something or else he's going to get fired. Right. They're expecting Pierce to show up with information or honestly, they're expecting him to show up with aliens. And he's going to be like, oh, no, it was a dead end. But this does. uh, We had a lot of questions about how and like, what are the requirements for Nusato shapeshifting? And it seems like just whatever, like anyone he sees or maybe even anyone he imagines, he can just like bloop. And then he's that person. Which makes me wonder again, who was the original Ed Harding? Or was there one? Did like. Did Nisato just come up with that? Right. Maybe that's the one he came up with. And that's why that's what he mm, keeps going maybe. to. It's like he has the Sims, like the create a Sim tool where he's just he like customized. moving the eyebrows yeah. and changing the, the cheekbones. Yeah. Bloop, bloop, bloop. Yeah. He also, <laughs> he has stopped popping Tic Tacs when he changes. And the effect where we used to see like the face yeah. melding into another face. And we don't get that anymore. We just get the flash, which... Maybe is a story thing and maybe is a VFX yeah. budget thing. Yes, <laughs> it is absolutely a VFX budget thing. Yeah. That they have blown their budget on other things in this episode. Clearly. Like yeah. the jumping off the bridge. Yeah, yeah like really. the, six, the six site locations for a chase scene and... <laughs> yeah. But then Tess and Max together grab hold of one orb and Michael and Isabel together grab hold of the other orb and they contact Jeannie Francis, guest star. Yep. So now poor Michael still has zero parents and Max and Isabel have just got a third. More parents. This is their mom. Although, okay, so the alien message is basically like, hey, what's up? You're dead. It's fine. Don't worry. You're like... We cloned you. We resurrected slash cloned you. It's fine. Uh, we mixed your essences with human DNA. This doesn't, like, super make sense with what Nisato said, because, like, were they future right. humans? Or did they, like, manipulate the genes of the humans in some way that they knew would be... I don't know. They can do I that. They can clone their own people. So, obviously, they can, like, manipulate human structure and but, like, situations. How would they know what genes would do? Like, did they map the entire human genome? Because it took us a real long time yes. to do that. They have technology they that did. we don't. They okay. have knowledge that we don't. Okay. Here yes. is my real big issue what? with this. We see her, like, look at Max and be like, my son, and then, like, turn towards Isabel. She didn't know when she recorded this message who was going <laughs> to be standing there. For all yes. we know, Michael and Isabel are the yeah. siblings. We or don't know. Michael and or Tess. Michael and Tess, right? There's any possible combination. And so, like, I what if Max too. and Isabel are actually supposed to be married or whatever? And, like, they didn't know how this was going to work out. What if they all had been raised thinking that they were all blood siblings? And then suddenly Isabel was going to be like, oh, you're my brother, Michael. Let's do it. Or, like, same thing with Max and Tess. They could have all been raised right. together and then had this thrown at them all of a sudden. Yeah, I don't think that I don't think she thought about that. <laughs> what if Max and Isabel had gotten adopted separately, like never knew each other, and then met up and got together and started dating and then found out that they were like genetically related? How Ooh. disturbing. Oh my gosh. Aliens, come up with better plans for your clone children. I mean, also just <laughs> look. They didn't even come up with a plan of like how they're how they were going to be taken care of. They just sent them in the form of naked children yeah. into a desert. Well, maybe the plan was for the four adult oh. aliens yeah. to be in charge. And they didn't have a good contingency plan. There's also, like, no plan or situation on how they're going to get back to the planet to, like, rescue their parents and their people. 
They're just like, be on Earth, learn everything you can. You'll know your enemies by their evilness. Okay. Please come back and save us. Yeah, do they even know, like, the name of the planet they're supposed to be going to? What are the coordinates? Give us a GPS location. Okay. Maybe that's all in, in Tess's book. I do think the important information here is Max is the leader. Michael is his second in command. Max and Tess are supposed to be together, and Michael and Isabel are supposed to be together. But, like, who says? These are arranged marriages, essentially, right? At this point. Like, Mm -hmm. because the people whose genetic material you share did these things, you have to do these things. I don't buy into determinism, and this is where we go with this, and this is where Liz goes with it. And I just wanted her to make her own choice based on, like, what she and Max felt for each other. Because we end this scene with Liz just, like, ah, leaving. Max is like, things will never be the same. And Liz is like, yeah, they they really won't. I can't be a part of this anymore. You have your own thing, and I don't want to stand in the way of your destiny. I'm like, dude, but, like, what about your happiness? But even, bef- even before yeah. that, the second that the message ends, Tess, like, gets all up close to Max. She, like, tries cuddling with him, <laughs> you know, to be like... This is okay. Yeah. Like we're all good. See, yeah. we're married. Like, okay, now now you'll be with me. And Max just like pushes her away. But he does say it's the four of us now. Mm-hmm. And like it seems like he's talking about the four aliens, not like him and Liz and Isabel and Michael, right? So like he's including Tess. Yeah. But he's not pushing Liz aside. And I do. I appreciate that here. Michael seems to gain this sense of purpose. So like, I think he, of course, still feels horrible about what's happened. But now he feels like, okay, at least like he knows what he's supposed to do with his life in some way. He doesn't feel totally aimless anymore. He feels like, okay, I have value, which he needs. Mm -hmm. But I still don't think it means like he and Isabel need to get married. We also have a a very familiar song playing, which I'm assuming is the song that was in the original (sighs) episode. Yes, it is. Right. So Max and Liz kiss and we start hearing that the Dido song. Yes. And that's another way of col- coming full circle because in the pilot yeah. episode, you don't have opening credits. That's mm-hmm. an instrumental section of that song is playing when Max heals Liz in the pilot. Yeah. So they are bringing it full circle again. Yeah. But this time Liz and Max have a big emotional moment and in the pilot, Max ran off and here Liz mm-hmm. runs off into the desert alone to Die of dehydration. I assume that season two is just them dealing with the aftermath of this horrible death. But maybe death. she has a car there, right? Because she drove the car separately. Yeah, I guess now that we're thinking maybe she drove separately. And then they can just yeah, take that, that armored van sense. back to town. No big deal. That armored <laughs> truck. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> or wherever they're going to go next. Totally inconspicuous. <laughs> what? We didn't just murder a bunch of FBI agents. It's always yeah. useful to have an armored military mortuary van to hide in. Yeah, they just, um, they should, they'll just paint it. We'll just paint over it. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, they can, like, Isabel, instead of changing her lipstick color, she can just change the paint color on the truck. Easy. So easy. And no one will ever recognize it. And they can, like, manipulate the molecular structure of the inside to, like, turn it into a cool camper van. There you go. And then they can, like, use that to go, like, smite down their enemies, who they will know by the evilness within. Yeah. Perfect. All right, so we've got everything figured out, and that's a wrap. Yeah. Just kidding. (laughs) So Liz has stomped off. Michael has told Max, you've got to let her go. And we're like, okay, this is the end. But wait, there's more. Because we hear the little beacon that they sort of like set off with these communicator orbs. And it's going all over the world. 
And guess who's here <laughs> to pull us out of this emotional moment at the very end to be like, oh my God, is that a Backstreet Boy? Backstreet's back. All right. All right. <laughs> very special guest. Howie Juro is like, it has begun. The last single bum, bum, second bum. of the episode. <laughs> what has begun? But like that also must have been so jarring for people watching it in real time who were like, saw his name, were waiting the whole episode for him to show up. And then like very end, boom, he's gone. Okay. And surely they teased it, right? Oh, yeah. Because I saw, like, there were interviews where he's like, I really, he was talking about how this was going to, like, launch his acting career. Oh, God. (laughs) So, yeah, that's the episode. They're evil aliens, and you will know them by their evilness. So, good luck with that. (laughs) Also, like, there are plenty of evil people in the world. Um, Right? They're not all aliens. Yeah, I don't. But who knows? Maybe they will, you know, maybe they will recognize them. You know, maybe they have some kind of good alien radar. Like an aura. Yeah. Who knows? We'll have to wait till next season to find out. Yeah. Which, luckily for us, isn't several months away. Yeah. Thanks to the magic of the internet (laughs) and this being 20 years later. Uh, All right. So this is when we would usually do unanswered questions and my predictions. But I think we will save those for our season one wrap up, which will be airing in two weeks. But we do want to do our very last hot and saucy of season one. Now let's see who's hot and saucy. Saucy. All right. So my hot and saucy pick this week is someone that I'm pretty sure I have not chosen all season long. Because I have a tendency to choose the same people over and over, but we made the rule that we have to choose somebody different every time. But uh, my hot and saucy pick this week is Max. Oh, yeah? Oh. And it is specifically for the moment when when Max and Liz are hiding in a camper van before they fall asleep, and he's telling her that his life began... When mm-hmm. he saved her and when he chose to save her and brought her into his life, that that's when his life began and what made and that she's who makes him human. Um, that's my hot and saucy pick. Um, I know it's more romantic than like hot, but romance is hot. Also, I usually take it to mean sassy, so you can take it to mean whatever yeah, you want. I know. I think romance is hot. Yeah. Um, I think my hot and saucy pick uh, isn't a per- particular moment but um my hot and saucy pick for this episode is alex because he has a lovely kiss with isabel but also because um he is a good Mm. friend and a good boyfriend and not kind of speaking out of turn during this like very traumatic moment for other people right it's it's traumatic for him he's Mm -hmm. there but it's not really his story and he kind of recognizes that and is just there to support um which i love yeah um, okay, so I was torn on this one because y'all know my love for Bill Sadler and we he gave do. such a great performance. But Yes, he did. Wasn't like necessarily in the hot and saucy realm. So what I ended up going with, but I do want to mention that, you know, Bill Sadler always looks amazing. So let's mm-hmm. let's just throw that out there. <laughs> but I went with Michael for oh, everything that he's been through. Um In, like, after this horribly traumatic experience where he's questioning who he is as a person and what, 
all of this means for him and Maria and his future and all this, at the very end, he still is there. Like, when he sees Liz leave the cave and then Max go after her, like, there's this little moment where Max is like, Liz, wait, and she waits, but, like, he can't really say anything to pull her back, and Liz leaves, and Michael comes out, and, like, Max is going to go after him, and Michael is just like, dude, you got to let her go. And I don't know if that's the right choice, but I think that, like, Michael is just there for Mm -hmm. Max in the moment, despite everything that's been going on. He finally feels like he has a purpose. He has all this new information, like this huge thing has just happened. And he still takes the time to be there for his friend because he knows that Max needs him in that moment. Also not romantic or like particularly saucy, but I just thought it was like so nice and a really good demonstration of how Michael has grown throughout this season. I'm really happy. I think that's kind of the same as mine. Mine wasn't really like, hot or saucy but it it is hot to be a good friend so there we go right exactly and like to have your priorities be like the emotional well-being of the people around you so hot so hot to focus on emotional health ashley do you want to weigh in yeah so my hot and saucy pick is also michael uh echoing lisa he's been through so much and uh in the end you know he's there for max And if I'm remembering correctly, when he grabs Max and says, uh, you have to let her go after Liz has ran off, he's physically on his right side. Oh. Just after being told that he's supposed to be Max's right hand. Oh. So he chases him out and stands behind him physically on his right side. And helps him make his decisions. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I didn't even catch that. Yeah, good Good notice. All right, right on. This is why we keep Ashley <laughs> the around. Only reason. This and all like the tremendous <laughs> yes. amounts of work that she does oh, to yeah. keep this podcast going. We love Ashley, and you all should too. <laughs> yes, let's end season one with a celebration of Ashley. Oh it's too much. You guys are too nice. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for the action-packed and emotional finale of season one. We'll be back Tuesday, June twenty-third, with our season one wrap-up. But first, next Tuesday, we will be back with our final Minnesota on UFO religions. This one is about Urantia, which I had been pronouncing Urantia. I recently discovered that that pronunciation was incorrect, but I also recently discovered that I don't really care for these people, so I don't mind. Please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and leave us a rating and review. It really does help other people find us. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Roswell Hot Sauce, where we post all sorts of other fun content content and guess what folks we now have a facebook page as well so look for us on facebook also you can email us any questions comments and concerns at roswellhotsauce at gmail.com you can also find a lot of great information including detailed show notes with links and other information about what we've talked about in our episodes at our website which is roswellhotsauce.com pass the hot sauce is produced and edited by ashley hullett our theme music is by david belcourt and our logo was designed by billy murray Until next time, a heartfelt message from us to you. I don't care who you are or what you are. I'll be here for you.